Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Saints Radio. I don't know who those people were. Um, at least it is not my brother who comes every now and then. It is not politically correct to have him on here anymore. So I don't know who those other people were. Maybe they were friends of, uh, of uh, what was his name? Rashi? Is that his name? Haji. Haji. Haji yeah. from Johnny Quest. Yeah. That could have been your other brother, Daryl. <laughs> Oh, man. A lot of these youngsters don't even know what that means. They never watched Bob Newhart's show. Who's Bob Newhart? Well, how's everybody doing? We come to you from uh, from a really geographical anomaly. It's two weeks from everywhere. Dallas somehow has repositioned itself. Maybe it's global warming. We're now up in uh, the North Pole. <laughs> about 37 degrees and rainy and um, such a far reach from what we've been used to. But uh, we're up here with a little, uh, the old tiny heater in the booth and it was actually too warm when we walked in here, which is an oddity. But we're very happy to be able to come and share these moments with you on another Saints Radio broadcast. Across the hallowed table from me is Monica Terrell. Hello. Hello. Does it sound does it sound weird to your ears when people say prophetess? Not anymore. Well you rarely say that, so I mean I don't I don't really hear that very often unless it's coming from some of my brothers and sisters from maybe Florida or France. Well, it's it's in this gender equity. Oh, you mean as opposed to age, prophet? Yeah, because we don't call women pastors pastoris. No, I don't. Apostolus, <laughs> evangelistis, <laughs> teacheress. But it's funny how that word is used in in other ways. You put the es or the ess on the end, but that makes it more kind of like a princess or something. A princess. Yes. Uh, there are other words, so it it doesn't it doesn't register. No, I, I know I'm a woman, so whether or not you call me a prophet or a prophetess, it doesn't confuse me one bit. But I understand. I mean, people are being respectful, I suppose, of the title, like they wouldn't call me Mister. They wouldn't. No. So. Better not call you Mistress. Oh, no. <laughs> There's another one of those S words. Yeah, the temptress. But, oh. um, this is going from bad to worse. You know, it's, it's always the ES at the end. It really, you never call a man a seductor, but you would say seductress. Not you, you, you would You would call say. a man a seductor. Oh, where are we going with this? Well, I'm just saying with the prophetess <laughs> thing. This is, this is an odd chit chat. Maybe it's because my brain needs to warm up. Uh, We've been down here in this sanctuary and it's, it's chilly in here because, you know, our walls are um, just a layer of brick. And it's kind of like being in a European cathedral. Remember going in some of those places? Ay, Chihuahua. It was cold in there. You know, it's real interesting about just about the title of the prophet. Because I think outside of really the church world that we know, 
if somebody were to ask me what my role is in the church, for me to say, somebody outside of the church realm, for me to say, if, if I were to say I'm a pastor, they would totally understand that and be able to connect with that. If I were to say I'm a prophet, it's like saying, because I think for most of the church, no, for most of the world, um, that title is not only misunderstood, but but oftentimes not accepted in, right. our, in, in, in our day. And so, and it's the same with, um, if I were to say I was an evangelist, they would certainly understand that, what that means in their own thinking. But just to say to somebody, like if I was at the gym and they were asking me what my role is in the church for me to say I'm a prophet, the reaction would be interesting, I think. Oh, I'm sure it would be. Yeah. So. I'm sure it would be. I long for the day when the fullness of the five are embraced. That'd be a good title for a book, The Fullness of the Five. Seriously, though. I mean, even Apostle. Oh, I'm an Apostle. What is that? Or Because so oh, yeah. many, I mean, even so many in the, the general church world don't believe that Apostles exist for today. And so it's interesting. Well, it's weird. I was just looking up the, the Greek um, for prophet and, you know, we say it's prophetes, so it is the ES, but it's pro and then feme, which means to know one's thoughts and to proclaim from a, knowledge, from a knowing. So I'd have to look into it to why the fetes comes from feme. I don't know. Because really, I mean, the majority of the prophets, even the, the, the Old Testament prophets were men, except for Deborah. And yeah, I, I can't. Maybe Esther might have been a prophet. <coughs> I don't think she was ever acknowledged as a prophet. Well, Deborah was the the most prolific one. You know, she mobilized an army, and um, yeah, I do that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> in the spirit. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because. That business of the school of the prophets, um, the sons of the prophets. It sounds like an old singing group. You know, when Pastor Larry and I used to watch cowboy movies, it was the sons of the pioneers, of which Glenn Campbell was one of the last lead singers. They may still have the group going, I don't know, but they made popular in a lot of John Wayne movies. But the sons of the prophets, we don't have a whole lot of knowledge as to what they actually did and yes call it the sons of the prophets it's kind of funny because you know when I when I went to Bible college it was so rare to find a son of a pastor who was actually interested in being there other than that they were made to be there and so often pastors kids have that crazy stuff and, and usually people with giftings you you don't pass it it's not genealogically passed on to your kid. You know, you can have characteristics and training, but nepotism, we see that in religious circles, you know, that here's a guy who was really big and want to make his kid come along, and that kid may not be the same, probably. So why they call it sons of the prophets, I don't know. 
Were they literally the sons? Or were they just sons? They, and they may have just been sons. They, they may have just been why they called it that. Biological sons? No, no, I don't think so. Son, just the younger generation. Yeah. Like the Elisha's. I think. Yeah, and it, it, I guess it was that way too, just in the the circles of the, the teachers of the law. When they would have students, you know, they had such a hierarchy of, um, yeah. yeah. Well, you think about, um, you know, Samuel's sons. Ooh. They weren't very good examples. Isaiah's son was not really noteworthy. Um, it, and it's, it's, it's funny because you just, you receive what you receive from God. And you, you hope that you've raised your kids to where they're walking in the things of the Spirit. But you can't predict what somebody's gifting is going to be. And whether or not they're going to choose to walk in it. Yeah. I, I know. I, I was, when we were in prayer before this broadcast, I was praying in the Spirit and the Lord was having me, you know, how the Spirit just, the Spirit just, when you let it have its way in you and in your intercession, but I totally not even thinking about this. The Spirit just brought to my remembrance so many of the sons and daughters from this network that have fallen away. Yeah. And I was just one by one, the Spirit was bringing them to my remembrance and I was just calling them forth. Um, you know, as, as um, Rachel, you know, cried and called forth the children back to their boundaries. I mean, which was a manifestation of grace and supplication. Exactly. And I will not stop doing that because their, their identity and their purpose is sure in the heart of the Lord. And regardless of not, I mean, I was just thinking about some of the choices that I know that some of them have made. I don't know of all of them, but some of them I'm more personally connected with. And you know, even with my own two children, the very minimal ways that they may have wandered or stepped away just in the the smallest detail. And, and we all know this as parents, that when you when you sense your child maybe stepping their foot just a little bit outside the line and and you know that so much of that is is ways that the Lord allows to refine them and to, I guess, to define them. And as they're growing up and accepting their identity and their calling before him. But it's still difficult to watch and not want to control because, um, of course, we we all want our our children, our offspring and this generation that's coming up to be walking in the sanctification and the holiness of the Lord. And I was just giving thanks for the way that the Lord just, his grace is just so sufficient and just continues to um, to work in the lives of our kids. It's just, you know, as is, 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 is easy it is, as easy as it is, and even in the life of the body of Christ as a leader, as easy as it is to want to um, influence in our own way sometimes the wandering ones and i'm not even i'm not speaking of my kids i'm speaking of just the younger generation that i have connection with um 
as easy it is, as it is to, to want to be an influence in that and to do that obediently as the Lord leads and gives you um, the space to do that. What I have found that is that we can influence, but it is always his spirit that brings them back. <laughs> I, mean, it, I just I marvel at God. I marvel at the way that he does things. And so, I mean, just this last week, I was counseling with one of our young ones here um, over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, when they come for counsel, I take it very seriously and, and, and ask the Lord to speak through me only that which he has to speak. But I'm going to speak a hard line when a hard line is needed. I'm going to speak truth when truth is needed. But know that those words even can be hit and bounce back but i know the spirit can can break through and has broken through and so and will continue to so anyway yeah you know it's very interesting how god does that we're in our own lives and the callings and the gifts that he gives to us as individuals because you know you can't you can't predict them even like you know Joshua Moses laid hands on him and imparted wisdom and um where he got his warrior capacity from I don't know and just his just his resolve his resolve I mean is you know who's on the Lord's side, and 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 me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So you choose. I mean, just his resolve to serve the Lord so faithfully and obediently, it just that that is the Lord. That is the Spirit in him, and yeah. Well, you know, I'd never thought of that really in this in this way before. You know, but if he had the Spirit of wisdom, which he did, and we know that wisdom is obeying God and going forward into the darkness when Joshua stood up and said who is on the Lord's side he was asking for a somewhat of a prophetic sacrifice for them to step forward into wisdom and um, but then you know there was a verse I was looking at this morning regarding Tob and Ra and it was like when uh the spies went in and they came back and they griped and Joshua and Caleb were, were there. And the word went to say, you know, all of you people, all of you are just going to spin around here in the wilderness, but your sons and daughters who have not the knowledge of Tob and Ra will go into the land. And I thought, that's kind of a weird statement to make. Um... Would you think that that in those years of wandering that somehow they would pick up the knowledge of Tob and Ra, even from observing? But it's it's just funny. You can't you can't make somebody follow the calling of God, and you certainly can't coerce somebody to go into the deeper things of God. It's just it's just a matter of individual covenant between the person and the Lord and um, 
So in that respect, I guess the sons of the prophets are really those that came before God as willing sons and accepted the prophetic mantle. Hmm. I mean, it's funny, though, that I don't remember Samuel certainly wasn't in the school of the prophets or the sons of the prophets. But yet he, he emerged maybe because he was starting. He's somebody, the chicken and the egg, you know, what comes first. Yeah. Isaiah wasn't. Uh, but it would seem, though, that... It would seem, though, that the... Uh, that that would be the two ways that God would uh, ins inceptualize a prophetic gifting. Either somebody that, I think, like Samuel and Isaiah were more apostolic. They were forging into something absolutely new. And so there couldn't have been, that had to be from God, so there couldn't have been somebody who necessarily trained them to do something that was avant-garde you know but in the midst of that you know like Elijah you know Elijah the Tishbite he he rises up and God's doing this unusual thing in him very strange thing but then there's these prophets that are gathered in caves and are hidden it's kind of like the underground church of prophets who God pinpoints and says, you know what, you're not all alone. I have 7,000 who haven't bowed their knee, and these prophets are, are there. But that was under the auspices of what Elijah was doing, and then subsequently Elisha, because they certainly gave allegiance to both of them. I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing with the prophets. It really is kind of a weird thing, isn't it? Yeah. So I would think then for the school of the prophets or the sons of the prophets to arise, they have to have a covering, whether it's just spiritual or knowing, of somebody who broke through and established a new, a new measure of commune with God for the land or for the nation or for a movement. And then under that, then the sons of the prophets or the schools of the prophets can abide. It seems that's the pattern in the in the Old Testament. It's like even with Samuel, he set this thing up and then he ministers to Saul and he says, you know, that you're going to see a company of prophets coming. Well, where was that company of prophets before Samuel did what he did? They were nowhere. They were hiding in the cave. Well, I don't know where they were. <laughs> they sure weren't at Shiloh. Well, this is true. But that kind of covering generates an atmosphere wherein there can be prophets that Saul can go and fall on the ground and prophesy all day naked or whatever it was that he was doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So, that was certainly a surprising topic, <laughs> prophetess. 
I don't know whether we need to establish a school of the prophets. Well, of course, that's what CI calls their school, right? I think we really have. It's just not in name. I think that that maybe our structure is different, but there's definitely that covering. There's definitely that welcoming in of the new. Hopefully, there's there will always be that, dare I say, penetration into the new um, that is then carried forth. And, I mean, I know that just for the ones that the Lord has allowed me to have influence, spiritual influence or um, guidance, instruction, mentoring, whatever you want to call it, um, the forefront of my heart is that they that they would die to their flesh, be that seed that falls to the ground and dies and becomes fruitful for the Lord and, and, and really embraces that lifestyle of the prophet. And so... Because, not that we're all prophets in name or in title, but we're really all have the benefit or the privilege of walking a prophetic lifestyle with the Lord. Yeah. And we all should. We should covet to prophesy. We should. And and hear from God, press in and hear his heartbeat and and hear what he's saying to the church. And, and so, I, you know, I... I think that for us in, in, in this network, we are structured according to the fivefold, and we have all five of those offices functioning, um, and, and it's just the Lord has so graciously taught us how to flow in all of them when needed to be instant in season, and I know when I'm called upon to take on more of a teacher role. And, and I, I mean, I'm, there's a pending teaching workshop that, that is going to happen hopefully very soon in, at Olive House in Santa Barbara because there's four or five of their leadership team that they need to learn how to teach. And it's the same here in our house. We have these young generation, these, these young people that are rising up, and, and they're to that place in their life and in their walk with the Lord when they need to learn how to process, how to study how to process and 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 how to how to speak, how to teach, and um, you know, and I could say maybe with the exception of the apostolic, um, it's just depending on what is required in the moment, I guess, with the five. So, you asked about the school of yeah. the sons of the prophets in this day. I think that. I think we live that. Well, you think you think about the different designations in the New Testament. Um, you have in Antioch, in Acts, prophets and teachers come together and they mm -hmm. minister to the Lord and fast. So you have the designation there. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, if there's any person who thinks themselves to be a prophet or pneumatikos, let him judge what I'm saying is true. In the book of Revelation, you have the two big groups, the prophets and the saints, 
who are battling. And then you have Paul battling not against each other, but against the <laughs> yeah. world system. And then you have, like, when Paul was moving in the apostolic, you have a guy who's a prophet, Agabus. He comes down and he's talking, but Paul specifically <clears throat> acknowledges what the guy says, but doesn't embrace the guy's interpretation of what he was saying. So you you see prophets as opposed to teachers, which you just mentioned, pneumatikos people, which I believe we've we've embraced along with the saints message. And you know, you know it's just funny because I remember when we for a season were being uh, aligned with the people at CI and we bless them. I remember Bill Lackey and Steve Schultz when they would come here or when we would minister alongside them at in Destin. I don't know how many times they said, we can't really figure out what it is that God's given you all. It's It's truly a one of them said it was a high-level thing, and it was prophetic, but it really wasn't prophetic. And I think what they were describing was the pneumatikos, mm-hmm. or or really the saints calling. Because sometimes, you know, he would ask me to to prophesy, and I would go off in the way that we all do. You know, this is what the Lord's showing. This is this, 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 this. And it, he'd say... Wow, I don't, I don't even know what to make of that. So I think, but, but from that point, it's not one's better than the other, even though I have my preference. But I do think that in this prophetic time where God is obviously calibrating his church for the end time, because um, we're in that, you have to know that there are pneumatikos people that are going to be counted equal or to some degree more more acknowledged than prophets and saints certainly you know it's like the queen of heaven has the chalice full with the blood of the saints so the prophets are there but well there's the blood of the prophets too (laughs) well yeah yeah so i don't know i mean you have to you have to look at that and you have to acknowledge those factors that are scriptural that are alongside the prophet, the, the gift of the prophet. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting compilation of comparisons. And I, I know I'm racking my, this, my lexicon in my head I can't think of any other thing in the New Testament that comes directly alongside the prophet. Because you have the prophets and teachers, prophets and pneumatikos, you have the prophets and the saints, and then you have the prophets that would, on rare occasions, speak into the apostolic, but then it's the apostolic that is not being directed by the prophet because that can only come from God if you're representing a message that he gives. And... Um, it's even like when that dude went and talked to the to the king and the altar broke and, you know, the guy's arm shrilled up and was made well. And then 
God said, you don't talk to anybody. You go, you do this, you get back. And then there's this old-timey prophet that's there and says, you're not respecting the prophet. You need to come and eat. And so this guy, instead of obeying what God said, he believed the voice of this prophet. And then as soon as they ate, whatever he ate became more food for the bear that killed him. And then that old prophet came and buried the guy. Maybe he had a smile on his face. I don't know. I told you so. (laughs) See? I don't know why you listen to me. <laughs> so I don't know why God had us go down this pathway. Well, maybe because we've entered into this the year of the spirit of prophecy. That's a good point. Yeah. So when these kids are being taught. Which kids? The, to teach? Yes. Okay, yes. I don't know whether they're going to be apprised of what a pneumonicos individual is? Well, part of, part of, um, in, in talking about this with, with one of the other, well, the other, I would say, elder over this group, um, and, and I, to me, this is more than this group in Santa Barbara. This is just something that came out mm-hmm. quite, from a, a prophetic standpoint, when I was back to back talking to two of the leaders um, one day and then the next day, and in the midst of the conversation when they were speaking, the spirit just began to speak and say, you need to be teaching, you need to be preaching, one and the other. And I recognize that as um, zealous as they are, in a good sense, nobody's ever taught them how to teach from scripture nobody i mean they and i mean they have not had that kind of of teaching even with noah i know you've been gracious to give him sessions like at different seminars and he's risen to the occasion but i i recognize that he's never been taught how to teach and 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 i i get it i mean my grandfather started preaching from a pulpit when he was 16 and I wonder who taught him how to preach. You know, who ta- taught him how to teach? Nobody did. No, the Lord did. Yeah. Billy Graham, who taught him how to teach? Who taught him how to preach? But I do know, Pastor, that just from my own upbringing here in this Nematicos house, I value so greatly the way that you have mastered us and taught us how to teach, taught us from Scripture how, how to do a word study. How to to find a flow, how to be disciplined as a disciple. Um, And that's really what they're lacking. I mean, they have so, they're like sponges in the spirit. I mean, they they move so prophetically. and, And just in dialogue with them or in one of their services, they're so free to the move of the spirit. And they interpret and they speak it, they prophesy it. But for them to stand up and teach their peers or to teach the congregation that the Lord is building through them, They've never been taught that. And so back to your question about Nematicos, when I was talking with um, Tiffany the, the next day and, and, and I brought this up, she, we started talking about putting together a workshop for them. And, and my first thought was, they need to recognize first of all that they don't need to emulate someone else they don't need to emulate one another 
because each one of them has you know, we, we all have giftings. We all have giftings in the fivefold, but each one of us has probably a predominant gift and then touches or maybe hybrids of the other gifts. And so if I get up and teach something and you get up and teach the same thing, we're going to teach it differently because you're coming from a pastoral or an apostolic viewpoint and I'm coming from a prophetic vein. It's just different. It's the same with Mark Burke. If he gets up and teaches the same topic, He's going to come from an evangelistic spirit or, you know what I'm Vantage saying. Point. And they need to understand that what they need to be prophesied and spoken into them what their predominant gifts are and, and know that they're not just supposed to be like every other teacher they've seen teach or somebody that they truly admire because they need to be their own. They need to be the voice that God's given to them. So... Um, yeah, because I think I think there's always, for a true teacher in the spirit, absolutely you have to be grounded in the word. And that's one of the things, from, for particularly out there, most of these young people have been in that school. So they had a modicum of biblical teaching. But the two things that really come against anointed teaching are number one um, how do you go from your foundation without just mimicking the foundation I mean how do you how do you teach something and you referenced this earlier without just being a a quote book of the other people that you've heard teach and secondly how do you how do you bring a word to your peers? Yeah. Um, I think with us, because I mean, Pastor, I mean, when you stand at your pulpit today, or even 20 years ago, it is so vastly different than when you stood at your pulpit 30 oh my years gosh, ago. I know. And I remember some of those old sermons, and they were all great. Oh, they weren't. <laughs> But what happened was the Lord began to show you your true identity and the identity of you as a saint, as a son, as an Amatikos individual, as an apostle. I mean, he, gives, he gave you, he was gracious to give you the empowerment of all the five offices. So you flow in all of them. And, and from one day to the next, when you teach or preach, any, any, any number of those anointings come out of you. But it was only until you surrendered to the true identity of who you were and what this place was supposed to be did he anoint you to bring the message of, for the saints. Yeah. And so it's the same thing. It's like if I'm going to speak into Noah or into Alyssa, they need to understand who they are and, and, and what God's put within them and not try to emulate something that they've heard or something that sounded really great, but let that identity and that anointing come forth but from that i mean here's the deal it's like there it's such a spiritual atmosphere and they're so like i mean you can walk in and fall down like you could have here years and years ago into this sanctuary and not be able to get up for two hours three hours and be in intercession and there's such a strong spirit but 
that's only going to last so long if there is not a found a teaching foundation established. You see? What oh I'm yeah. Saying? Yeah. And if they felt like the Lord called them to start this church, then they have a responsibility to discipline themselves because too, I mean, it's fun to just go with the spirit. It's fun to just even interpret the spirit and just go with the flow and be free and all that. That's all wonderful. And I think the Lord's been speaking to me so much just recently about how in so many ways over the course of the years and the discipline that we've been in, I don't ever want us to lose that free flow of the spirit where we're moving with his breath, where we are walking through walls, where we believe that the the angelic are just everywhere and we're partnering with the angelic and with the spirit of the Lord and moving in that flow and trusting in his wind to bring the remedy or to bring the breakthrough. But at the same time, we would not be who we were without the, the levels of foundation, the line upon line that have been brought to us and established. So, well, you know, it's, it's a strange thing because like you, you see like in the old Testament, uh, the spirit of the Lord come and nobody's able to stand, but somebody's got to stand mm -hmm. or you can't minister. Mm -hmm. And so I think the objective of the Lord is to come in such a profound way, but then to cause people to, in respect of that, to be able to stand before it. And then when everybody's standing as priests and prophets, you you got a job to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, but again, you think back in those early days, and I mentioned this earlier, you know, there were those who, because we weren't teaching the party line that everybody else had always said, you know, you're not preaching the word. And so, those ones out there when God's giving fresh revelation has to be based on the scripture but you don't want to be mimicking somebody else especially somebody that's off the wall where there's a lot of that going on nowadays and then peers um, well look at them over there they think they're more spiritual and um, we uh, we're not going to do it Look at them. It's peer pressure. It's like when they said is to Jesus, is, this, is not this Joseph's son? You know, who is he? And they're going to face that. And they may not face it immediately, but they will as soon as they start stepping into this teacher role. Uh, because, you know, again, I, I, if there's somebody that is really mnemonicos individual, if there's somebody that is really patterning an apostolic word, you're going to develop, maybe I'm overboard with this, but you know how, how I am. It can be irritating a lot of times. But <laughs> I don't really care what anybody else is saying. As long as we're set in the Word, then I want to hear from God. I don't want to be preaching the latest book that's out. I don't want to be preaching the latest thing that somebody said on TV. That may be great. But at some point, you're either a leader or a follower. And um, uh, I, th I think I think it's very interesting. You're right. I mean, we are into this year of the prophet now, spiritually. Uh, I, 
I pray that God will bless this, this teaching opportunity, the training of the teachers. Of course, we've got to do that here, too. Well, and, and I'm, I'm not speaking exclusively of one place or another, and I did mention this. I mean, this discussion just happened quite prophetically, totally unexpected. And, um, of course, in my thinking, in my heart, I'm thinking of our young ones here, too, because we've talked about that so many times. And, you know, the young ones that are just throughout the network, I think that because we have discussed this over and over again over the course of the last couple of years, I mean, we have to begin to recognize that it is a need that, I mean, Jesus, what, was, what did he tell us to do? Go make disciples of all men. He didn't tell us to go save them. He told us to make disciples of them, yeah. make them students of the word. And, and so that certainly, we can, we can just assume that by virtue of being a part of this body or a part of this network that they learn by observation. And I learn that way. I mean, I have learned so much from you just in the way that you teach and preach and prophesy and evangelize. Of course, we learn that way. But until you learn how to get into the nitty-gritty of Scripture and into the Word and discipline yourself to parse it out and hear from God through that study, um, I don't know. So in so many ways, it is a discipline. Yeah, and, and, and you know, to see somebody like some of these young ones that you're going to be dealing with who has been trained to study um, deeper understandings of languages or whatever, that opens a whole other level of challenge because there's always going to be people who say, well, I, I don't see where you're getting that. And they'll, you know, like, um, you know, I know the scripture says this, but we've seen bad examples of it, so we don't want any of that. I mean, you you gotta you gotta I gotta watch what I say. You gotta really gird yourself up to take a stand in the midst of that with people that you respect who have as much training or perhaps more than you do. And it, you have to. I remember when man, when when the former denomination we were in would call us on the carpet and they would just be scratching their heads and looking at us. And here were these guys that had training, but you had to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them in Scripture. And and still, when, when it was over, and I'm pretty sure we won, they didn't want... They didn't want to have anything to do with what we were doing. They just wanted to say that we were not scriptural. I think, don't you think, though, that that, that, that reminds me, and I, I know I've brought this up numerous times, and I'm sorry to bring it up again, but if if you, if I watched the, that, that series, The Chosen, yeah. and it was, it was so good. But my favorite episode, there were seven episodes, my favorite episode was the episode with Nicodemus because I did not realize the depth of, of what that story really meant about 
the heart of Nicodemus. He was the teacher of teachers. He was the teacher of the law that was respected and looked up to and honored. And his heart was pricked by Jesus and by the spirit of Jesus that, that just, <laughs> and, and it was so challenging for him. And he goes and, and has a meeting with Jesus and you could see his heart open, the spirit opening his heart to receive what Jesus was speaking that was contrary to the legalism of the law, that was contrary to everything that he had ever been taught and that he had taught and led all these multitudes of teachers. And that heart that so desperately wanted to follow Jesus could not do it because of the, the knowledge of the law that was in his head that ruled him. And it just, I mean, I just sat there and watched that and I cried because I thought how many other people have missed him, have missed the nematocos, have missed the spirit because of that. Yeah. And yet it happens every day in the church. And um, so if you haven't watched the series, I want to say if you watch, if you only watch one episode, watch that one because it just, it just really opened my eyes to the power of the enemy and religion and it just oh my gosh and you think about like when jesus was there with the guy that was lowered through the roof and you had all those doctors of the law and the scribes and they acknowledged we've never seen the glory like this but they didn't most of them didn't keep following it's a shame no they ended up persecuting um, killing him, crucifying him. Yeah, it's it's a strange it's a strange deal. It reminds me of something that uh, Bishop Hammond said to me. Um, he he said, you know, what God's called you to do is something direct from His throne, and um, he said it's of God. I can I can feel that. I, it's of God. And, uh, you know, he's, I've told that story about he's eating his red beans and rice. And he had Peter Wagner and Dutch Schultz and all these other guys over there meeting with Radiant. And they're talking about the books they need to write so that they can market them. And it, so, But then he said this. He said, you got to be prepared to be rejected. And he said, you got to keep following what God's given you to do. And you've got to have you got to have agreement and an armor that stands with you. And, and I, I think that was a... Now, he didn't follow that up by saying, oh, you need to align with CI. He never said that. And nobody ever asked that. But they provided that for us for a season. It was unspoken, you know, but it was there. But I think that God has built in this network that thing where we do have to have the two that puts 10,000 to flight. We do have to have that righteous armor on the right and the left for any kind of prophetic ministry, for truly any kind of true apostolic ministry, I would say. Mm -hmm. And so it's imperative that for whatever work is going on out there in California, that they do have an established covering of elders, which they do, but they're going to have to have 
they're going to have to have a strength of some sort that stands beside them, ordered by God, to kind of be an alliance. Um, and that's what Christian Missionary Alliance was initially. They recognized this principle, which is why they were an alliance. Now, I'm not justifying what they're doing now. I'm just saying that, you know, even when the assemblies and the Church of God in Christ and the, in, in the, the oneness people and all them first came together in Hot Springs, Arkansas, they recognized that they'd gotten the left foot of fellowship from every other group and they needed to all stand together. It's like what Ben Franklin said, we're either going to have to stand together or we're going to hang separately. And so they're going to need that. This is truly a unique work in, in the midst of the enemy. And so they're going to need to have those. It's kind of like what we said to, in Brazil when we were at uh, Cabo and Cabo Frio. You know, Wally and I were talking about Cabo <laughs> San Lucas. Uh, and, um, you know, it's funny because the Gadsden purchase when we were b buying property from Mexico for the Southern Railroad, they were given an opportunity to buy all that Baja California and they didn't do it, which is kind of stupid. That hindsight's 2020. But, you know, the thing is, though, that. Um, we told the people in Cabo Fria that um, you're going to have to stand strong for what God's doing here and you're going to have to really guard over it and you're going to need an alignment. And subsequently in that season since then, to whatever degree God has allowed us to provide for that, I don't know. I don't know that we fully understood what we're doing or what we further need to do. Maybe this is maybe this is something that God's trying to take us into in a deeper way. But the point though is is that it can't it can't necessarily be a denomination if you've got something new because then you will fall into their parameter and you'll soon gravitate into it's kind of like putting um an ice cube into a cup of hot coffee pretty soon you don't have either so maybe the Lord is saying to us as saints in this year of the prophet God's going to be establishing these different designations in a new way in a heightened way maybe for the saints and the prophets to do warfare you you've got to really understand these principles of not just identifying but what role do you play and you better be that and you better do it because the other group is relying on it i don't know it's interesting mm -hmm. anything uh we got nine minutes to go. Nine? Nine. Seven? No. It's 51.32. Oh, I was We started at, late. I look at that. Oh, okay. See that, see that road over there? Well, don't take that one. It'll do you no good. <laughs> That's a famous line from The Quiet Man. Oh, Inishfree. You're going to Inishfree. See that road over there? Don't take that road. It'll do you no good. Take this one. Tomorrow, Wednesday Night Live, but Sunday, we're going to be praying here.
for the election and for our country and we're going to be doing it immediately following service um, we've got this election location here that is very interesting uh, how many hundreds of people are going to be moving through there on Monday of course they said over 60 million people have already voted can you imagine that? That's phenomenal. But we do need to pray because I would imagine that most of those 60 million are people that have already determined what they were going to do. It's that last rush of people that the Spirit can move upon and... Um, bring about what God is truly wanting. Yeah. So we need to pray about that. And so we would invite you, I'm sure you don't need an invitation for this, you're probably already praying, but we'll, uh, we'll be happy to know that others are also doing that in their terio for their states, for their regions, but for our country as a whole. And we need to remember our brothers and sisters in Europe. There's this upswing of the COVID over there. And, you know, France took a hard line and much to the dismay of most Frenchmen that there's a curfew from 9 o'clock till 6 in the morning. Italy, if you can believe this, has shut down their restaurants and their bars in the evenings, which is also pert near a miracle. And there, there are those that have risen up and rioted about that because the business owners have said, you're destroying our, our business. Germany also had to, you know, most of uh, the southern Germany, the Bavarian region is all on lockdown again. And those who have said that our country here screwed up the way they did it look at how these people over here have done it well how do you explain what's going on now so we need to pray for Europe for our brothers and sisters there yeah so is is how is it in Brazil is COVID still pandemic well Brazil is a lot less hands-on you know, their their leader is more of a fly-by-the-seat-of-his-pants kind of a guy. Are the borders still closed or are the borders open? Because, you know, Brandon, I was a really good friend. He's going over there for a school in beginning of January. Well, I, I don't know about their, their borders. I know that anybody trying to come here from there is somewhat restricted. But I, I think, I don't know this, but I think that going in and out of there, I, I don't really know. Okay. I, I don't know. Because uh, there, there was a lot in the news and the media about that for a long time, but then I've seen a lot about Europe and a lot about the U.S., but I haven't seen anything about South America. Well, I know those folks in Cabo Frio aren't social distancing. No. Uh, they're, they're just carrying on businesses usual Sao Paulo you know what that place is like it's bustling it's like an anthill 
I don't know what they're doing either. But we must pray for them as well. Oh, lots of needs of prayer. <laughs> it's nice that we can pray in diversities of tongues. Uh, we hope that all of you are doing well. We're trusting you are. And we continue to proclaim the blood of Jesus over you, our Saints Network family, every day. And we're believing that God is preserving and strengthening you and leading you and guiding you and using you. So, <sighs> interesting. Yeah, good days. Good days ahead. Amen. Good days ahead. I just, I know that the Lord is, He's in control. I just think we're going to see victory. Breakthrough and victory. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> we sure need it as a country. Yeah. Um, I know that this whole election season has been absolutely exhausting. If we let it, if we let it, allow it to be that way. But we just believe his will. I know when I went to go vote, I think more than any other time I voted, I stood there and the spirit came over me and I just began to pray. Actually, I began to pray the Lord's prayer and just began to just declare his kingdom come, his will be done. His on earth as it is in heaven and I just until the woman started like flagging me down like you're finished you need to come like really? I spent too much time at my box yeah too much time at your box yeah at my voting box well that's weird that they could call you out of that oh yeah but I did I, I mean I did feel the spirit I mean I felt the spirit really move and and I was grateful for that wow <laughs> wow so well, okay. God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in. This has been an unusual time, but when is it not? <laughs> so we will look forward to reaching out again tomorrow. And um, may you have a blessed day. And may God continue to use you, dear saint. So goodbye. Goodbye.